Welcome to Too Fast, Too Forever. There's all kinds of family. We chose this one. This is episode 343, The Fast and the Furious Lap 14. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe Too. And this episode is brought to you by the People's Temple of the Disciples of Christ, originally known as the People's Temple Full Gospel Church, uh, which was an American new religious organization that's affiliated with the Christian church. Shout out to the People's Temple of the Disciples of Christ. Well, shout out to that People's Church, and welcome to Too Fast, Too Forever. I don't know the type of sponsors you've reached out to for this lap. I guess I'm going to uncover the theme as we go along. I did not expect to be sponsored by a church, but here we are. It might be a lot of churches, just as a hint. Hmm. Okay. Good to know. You didn't figure it out? With us. Well, no. I mean, look. Check out their new church in Guyana. Okay. Okay. With us tonight, all lap long, every core Fast and Furious movie we have with us, Walt Hickey and Kim Basine. Hello, gentlemen. What is up? Oh, hey. How's it going? Welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You are here. Are you regretting this at all yet? <laughs> Absolutely not. Not, in a, not at all. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> no, we, an hour, we did a good one so far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Joe and I were talking today, and we're like, we don't know at all, like, the angle with which you want to analyze these movies. Like, we're, we're just, you know, we're here for the ride. I mean, this is our show, but you guys are the guests. So we have a conversation starter because this lap is our 80s cult movies lap. Like, it is a theme that has been sponsored by some of our patrons. And so we're, for better or worse, analyzing these movies through as though they were 80s movies, kind of. But really, we can talk about whatever. So... Before we get into the the conversation starter, remind both of us, remind our listeners, how many times have you seen this first movie before, or including, you know, this time that you watch it for this? I think I'm going to go somewhere around 220. Yeah, that's a, that's a good number. That's okay. a solid number. Mm-hmm. Might mm-hmm. be more. I think it's around. I hope it's around, I hope it's only 20. Are you counting okay. all the times that it's on, like, USA, that you put it on halfway through, or not counting those? No, 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 no. I am counting the times where, like, I'm doing work, and I need to put something... Oh, on. those count. Okay. Yeah, uh, those count. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I'm saying, like, if you come in, like, halfway, three-quarters of the way through, that's not a full... No, 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 no. It's got to be a whole... So then in a hun- in the hundreds, I'm assuming, at that point. <laughs> in the hundreds. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Dozens, hundreds, thousands, and any one of those will work. I think I have seen this movie maybe four times. It is the one that I've seen the less. Ooh, like, really? I, I think that I watched it, you know, I see, I saw it once, and then I think I watched it for work, and I watched it today, and I'm assuming maybe just sometime in between. It is by far my least watched of these films. Interesting. I love the sentence, I watched it for work. Like, I know you did, and I know that like that's why you're here, <laughs> but like, oh, yeah. I watched it for work. Because imaginarily, we are doing the same thing. Yeah. I mean, technically, listen, according to the IRS, that's absolutely what we're doing. Right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. now, oh, this is interesting. I was looking back at the rankings. At the end of this lap, I want to get both of your updated rankings. We have Kim's. I don't have Walt. Walt, you might not have given us rankings when you're Ooh, I don't know if we're going to save it till the end, please. Down, so don't, don't tell us. I'm going to save it to the end. I'm going to. Yeah, perfect. You will not know. But, I, I have a ranking so far in my heart because I've seen one film. And you can rank one film one way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna divulge it, but like, no, there, the, I will, I will tell you at the end of this how I rank these things, uh, because gosh, this movie feels like a 
time machine <laughs> took me to a yes, completely it different does. era. Absolutely. In cinema. Kim had this at number one, so that's just off the bat. Like this was loved. Good. Yeah. 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 I think we're I think we're probably still there. This is the best movie in the Fast and Furious franchise. Calm down. Okay. <laughs> it's 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 rankings based on what you want, Walt. Like, you know, you could be ranked by the ones you like the most. We don't necessarily go best. Sure. Sure, sure, sure. I think okay, so I think you know, you saying this is a time capsule. So Joe and I had this conversation starter question, like, what's the most eighties thing in this movie? Because we had a couple of patrons sponsored laps, so in between each of these we're watching a different eighties cult movie that they picked. Our other patrons are doing eighties cult movies that we're watching in you know, on the Patreon. And so we're just spoilers like, you know, those... after this. Next time we're still gonna ask you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're, that's question. gonna be our conversation started just to kick things off. And so we're you know, all these movies came out obviously in the two thousands. But it is I was I realized in watching this movie, you say it's a time capsule. So much of this movie feels like it could only happen in two thousand one. Some of it is like kind <laughs> of eighties. Some of it's kind of like sixties. And I'm like, I don't know what the answer to our own question is. What's the most eighties thing? But like for better or worse. And both, maybe. This is truly, as we talked about before, a time capsule. Like, this is like 2001 distilled into 107 minutes. Yeah. Uh, when th- I wanted to thank y- your Patreon subscribers for coming up with this theme because I-, I like, you know, as I was engaging with the film, I was like, oh, I should keep an eye out in case anything from the 1980s happens. And then I, I-, I meet some people who are the most 1980s people that I've ever met in my entire life. And Ooh. I'm so thrilled that you did this. Are we beginning now? Should I? Yeah, please. Yes, please. Well, well it's your most it 80s mm-hmm. thing that you saw in this movie. These fucking cops. Oh, I knew you were going to think the cops are the most 80s cops. Cops don't <laughs> look like that anymore. Cops don't <laughs> talk like that anymore. These cops are, are you know, salty FBI guys who are, who are like hanging out in a house in LA and smoking, to- drinking ice cappuccinos, punching each other, and they're cool with it. They're the- gigantic ice decaf cappuccinos. None of, none of them are latino like this is the most <laughs> possible cop that you could ask for like it is without question like they have mustaches they have mustaches that were that, that basically they saw a movie that had burt reynolds in it and they went to their barber and they were like make this happen to my face that's <sighs> that you can tom Selleck, make it make it so number one and like they that, that's just what these cops are these cops are from a different era they were tra- they were encased in ice throughout the entire 90s they <laughs> besides a really good running back for buffalo they 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 have no idea these cops are precious and they're endangered species because within a few years these cops won't exist anymore they'll just be chiseled guys who have have a lot of leather on them and and work for three other agencies that don't actually have enforcement powers but but these cops they are fbi lapd they're just they're just salt of the earth working class guys they bring a lunch pail to work god damn it uh these cops 1980s amazing Great answer. Excellent answer. Kim, did you have something that popped out of you as the most 80s thing about this movie? Oh, yeah. So um, I think we 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 mentally, we see the underglow of those cars and we think like mm-hmm. like need for speed like uh, underground and stuff like that. Like the, the street racing thing. And of course it is from street racing, but that's an 80s neon, the, ah. the vibrant neon glow oh, that yeah. just just permeated everything between the year 1980 and 1989 was was that's that's where it's from and and i looked it up that that undercarriage neon glow was patented in 1987 hell yeah. oh so it's definitive kim i love that you said that because i googled the the time period of so many things in this 
to make sure my 80s lined up correctly. So thank you. I'm glad you were doing the research as well, because I was. Because what I, my thing, I also Googled when was the floppy disk invented, because the compact computer was the floppy disk. Yeah. 1962. It does feel very 80s, but my pick, I think, is kind of sort of piggybacking off Walt's. I think it's so funny in this movie how there's a scene where Brian just really wants a cigarette and they're like, give him a cigarette. They're like, don't give him a cigarette. <laughs> and like, there's not really a point to it, but like, I feel like talking about cigarettes and wanting a cigarette and like smoking a cigarette in a movie, in a public space or whatever, feels to me movie. very 80s. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. Joe, did you have something? I know you took a lot of notes on 80s things. I took a lot of notes on 80s things, but I think my winner for the most 80s thing in this movie is Vince's mesh shirt. Ooh. Yeah. That's like so stereotypically 80s. I think that has to be my winner for this ep- for this movie, this episode. Although, I'm going to speed run through my list. Okay. The silver Airstream camper that the Toretto's have. Very Excellent. 80s. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Did that eagle-eyed, eagle-eyed. Amazing. Go on. All of Toretto's market and cafe is 80s. Like the signage, the, sure. the the counter that sits in the middle of the restaurant, the toaster that Mia has, all 80s. And then the last thing is metal toggle switches that Brian uses in the car. When was the last time you saw a metal toggle Ooh. switch? Yeah. It looks so satisfying. They do. I want They're so great. Bring them back. I agree. Yeah. You know, I, I think something about this movie, and I, I don't know if this is where we're going to actually start the conversation at Earth, so I want to hear what you guys have to think about this, because we're, we're, you know, we're maybe looking at the entire franchise through, like, the what's going on for the future thing, but I feel like what makes this movie sort of special is that, like, it has personality. Like, we love the newer ones, but the newer ones feel, for better or worse, like, we're doing the Marvel thing, we're building a universe, and we're whatever, whatever, yep. and this is just, like, we're just having, like, dirty, sweaty dudes and, like, <laughs> one girl, like, race, okay. and, like, we're just, they have quirks, and, like, that's what's going, and it feels different, and it feels, you know, a lot of movies have done this kind of thing, but it feels, especially within the franchise, so special and so unique, and I feel like a lot of that is just, like, we don't have a huge budget. Like there's just stuff that we have around in warehouses from the eighties and nineties. We're just going to use this and it feels true to the characters and man, it's yeah, it's, it it definitely feels lived in. And like, it's also got like, you know, as like when you design an aircraft over the course of the evolution process, you shave parts off, you realize that we don't need this. Ah, this is getting in the way. Ah, this is slowing us down. And I like this movie because it's it's like full of that. It's it's got a lot like oh yeah he's got a, you know a, a nerdy friend who's kind of Weasley. Oh he's got a friend who never again appears in the franchise. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and like you know he's got like there's just elements going on that are you know like yeah cool street gang we'll, we'll never see them again. Like it's just like a lot of elements that you can see they threw a lot of stuff at the wall to make this movie and then they really just started picking and choosing some stuff. Yeah. And I, I think that it's just it, it's it's in- incredible for that because it's just like. Yeah, like you have a bunch of like Matrix ass like friends, and like some of these dudes don't make it past movie one, and like I think that that is it, it reminds you that this that you know every every Dungeons and Dragons adventure starts in a small tavern. It was, and, it was very much like, <laughs> Matrix ass soundtrack too, by the way, mm. over and over and it's over again. Unrecognizable if the Matrix didn't exist, this film absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
It's also one of the only. It's there's two movies in the whole franchise that it can exist in a absolute vacuum. It's sure. This and the third one. And yes, Dom shows up at the very end, but like it does. He doesn't have to. That movie could have existed in its in a, in a vacuum. This sure. one as the, as the kickoff could have been like you could have yeah. ended it with that with that scene, and then then we're done. Turns out we didn't, and we went on yeah. for another twenty years. But here we are. I want to frame this entire lap, Joe, in a way that I I hope that you don't absolutely hate. But we just finished a lap that took the longest time. It took 259 days between the first lap, first Ooh. episode and the last episode of the last lap. That is our longest Insane. lap. This one is close, but it's not as long unless we have some bonus episodes in there or whatever. But this one starting in February and ending in mid-October, the first time we see Brian O'Connor is outside Dodger Stadium. Baby, pitchers and catchers are reporting this. <laughs> This is covering the entire baseball season. We are here from spring training to the postseason. This is this lap. That's beautiful. I didn't make that connection, but thank you. That's abs- If you, I always tell Joey, if you try hard enough and believe in yourself, it's always baseball season. And this one truly, it's truly baseball season. It really is. Absolutely incredible. Yeah, because they just started like uh, spring training games, right? Like I saw yeah. some. Yeah, okay. Perfect. Pitchers and catchers down there, you know, getting loose, getting warm, getting ready. Perfect. Some of the best players still not signed. Scott Boer is still holding up, but you know. Yeah. Um, what did you guys love about this? Is there things, I mean, I'm sure there's things you noticed you never saw before, especially Walt only having seen this four times, but things that jump out to you the most right now, knowing that you're going to watch all the movies again over the next several months. What's your big takeaway from this first movie? Other than, you know, stripping things away, like you just said, like, what's your big, huh, that's something, that's, that's the way that we're starting this. I I don't think I ever full. There's so many one-liners in 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 this movie and in every one of these movies that I I had forgotten that Dominic Toretto's first line was "What'd you put in that sandwich?" Mm. Hey, what an introduction to a character, right? You really get Excellent. to know who he is, yeah. right? The thing that I thought that was so interesting about it is like, so like when like when the podcast that became blank check first looked at the prequels of star Wars, they, yes. it looked at them as if like, okay, let's just pretend that these films existed and the original star Wars never happened. What's going on in them. And like, you know, if you were to watch the Phantom Menace, you'd be like, this Jar Jar guy seems like he's going to be a big deal. <laughs> in a lot of screen time. He's very consequential. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, that is mm-hmm. how I feel about, I don't know, Jesse. Because uh, if you think about like Jesse's role in the heist, Jesse uh, for for listeners who might not recognize Jesse, that's the fucking point. Jesse basically appears <laughs> one more time, if I recall correctly, in Fast Five, uh, at which point he is, he is killed. But oh, Vince, you talk about Vince, Vince, yeah, yeah. Okay, I apologize, I got the wrong guy. It's okay, it's okay. It's okay. yeah. That's why we're here. That's what I'm talking about. So Vince, uh, Vince is a far more critical character in this than I think. I would have appreciated having seen most of the rest of the franchise at some point. Like I thought that, Oh cool. That when they do these heists, they shoot a gun with a grappling hook into a windshield, rip the windshield out, shoot a gun into the passenger seat. And then the coolest guy on the team launches himself into the thing, dispatches the driver and then hijacks the heist. Now this being a movie, I assume that the cool guy was going to be played by Vincent Robinette diesel, that he was the one who was launching himself into the cab of a car and it said no it's just his random friend it's his friend vince who is then shot several times and is the cree crux of the moment that brian reveals that he is a cop and there's a moment in this movie where like at the end when you know he's trying to jack that truck they start shooting the shotgun at him and he takes his helmet off and it feels like this is a hero moment like there's no reason to take the helmet off yeah. but it's just like i'm showing the audience my face yeah it's like why are you doing this that feels 
wildly unsafe for multiple reasons. The guy's shooting bullets at you and you're hanging off the truck. Keep your helmet on. But that feels like, no, this is like, this is Matt Schultz's time to shine. He is going to be the guy who people remember from this movie. It's like, no, not really. I'm the He's breakout star. Barely in another movie. I'm the guy who jumps in the car. I'm the guy that's mm-hmm. done. Never fucking see the again. <laughs> like, was... And we've said this a bunch before, Walt, and I, I don't know if you know it or not, but in the like deleted scenes, like oh, yeah. Vince has like a very serious backstory. Like really? he's very grumpy because his mom is dying in the hospital. Mm-hmm. And he, that's why he like comes late to the barbecue and things like that. Like like they're like, How's your mom? And he's like, Oh, she's dying like she's dying, dude. And like And Vin is literally just like, Hey, why don't you bring her a plate? You know, we've been thinking about her. Oh like they shot that scene. You can watch that scene. I'm that, that's his childhood friend, right? That's, it's, it's, mm-hmm. Was I'm yeah. sure in an earlier yeah. version of this movie of a, a much more critical character. Yeah. It definitely like there were moments where you're just like So you're right. Yeah, like he like he is like a big like he it feels like he should be a big part and like there there apparently was He's also the only one who like realizes Brian's a cop, yeah. right? Like he has He's right. That, He's yeah. right the whole time. Yeah. I think that in in Earth 2, where, like, you know, a butterfly flapped its wings, Kennedy avoid being shot, whatever, Vince is the guy in the Fast and the Furious franchise. It's a Vince-based franchise. And, Ooh. like, there's a spinoff world, in which case this happened. Because it just felt like he was set up so much and then genuinely never, I never have ever seen him ever again. He comes back? I know he comes back, but, like... Just briefly. Yeah, but it's, like, very, like, oh, I, my childhood friend died, and now I have to avenge him, and blah, 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 blah. It's, um... It, it, that was just a peculiar part of it. Um, I feel like we're far enough in... Can I... Can we talk about Race Wars, please? Please. Yeah. The name of it? No, or... just the concept of Race Wars. <laughs> <laughs> like, the, the fact that the, 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 that the highlight of this film is an event called... As I understand it... Uh, was it considered to be the title for the film at one mm-hmm. point? Um, mm-hmm. I think that, that and also they've never left it. It still exists as race wars in later films. And a chance that they 7. have mm-hmm. to change it, they go back to race wars much later they and still call it race wars. They could have Wait, left no, this it is a good first idea. movie with Vince and never addressed it again. <laughs> but instead, yes, they should have. <laughs> That's what we think. <laughs> they also retroact that retrofit that in a way that like. Later, when when Dom is explaining to Letty in a later movie, like, you know, we invented this. Like, here doesn't feel like they invented anything. They're just, like, sort of the stars of the show because, like, people love Dom. But, like, it doesn't feel like they run the show to the point where, like, Johnny Tran feels comfortable enough, like, rightly wronged. You know, he is, he, he is right to be upset, but, like, comes at Dom supposedly on his own turf. Like, Race Wars has a complicated history that, like... We wonder if in later movies, like, just Hector is running. Like, Hector's talking in this movie about, like, making to the Naira circuit, which I don't know if that ever happened. Who knows? But, like, he feels like he's got a whole character arc, but now he just seems like he maybe is just Dom's got, like, lieutenant in charge of Race Wars. I don't know. Maybe. Kind holds, of a good gig. Holds Toretto back, too. Like, just the the, the, the mm-hmm. pretty grunts who are there. Instead of, you know, if it's his thing, might as well let him do what he wants. I would love somebody to have on their LinkedIn profile, lieutenant in charge of Race Wars. That's an important job. That would that would go over really well. Would go over great. Is that a full time job or is that a part time job? Uh, listen, it's actually a contract based position, but mm, like the year, yeah. I don't know what to tell you. Listen, dude, we're yeah. trying to we're trying to improve it. It's just funding, but it's it's just such an itch. like I, I th- I'm glad that you brought up Johnny because I think that Johnny <laughs> really like I think he was consistently and reliably in the right over the course of this film. Is that a common conception or am I wrong there? I don't think he does anything wrong in the movie, right? Like a low-time gangster, kind of, but like it's not 
Yeah. yeah, but so is our family. It's like you, yeah, we've of agreed course. you're not supposed to be in my hood, so I blow up your car. And there's counter. There's actually. I mean, like, like is Vito Corleone a good man? No, but do you understand why within the sure. world he's respected and 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 is obliging basically the culture that he's within? Absolutely. I think the same is the case for Johnny. And Johnny's like, someone snitched on me, and I think it was you, and it was it was Toretto's group nailed it. They mm-hmm. won. You got it. And like, yeah, it is in this home where his family lives. A very nice house. And his dad slapped him. It's crazy. His dad slapped him. It's nuts. <laughs> it also, speaking of, you know, like, narking on him, I never narked on nobody. Like, it feels weird to me that Brian, like, I know that he's he's trapped, right? Like, he moans like a cop, whatever. Like, when he's caught sneaking around that garage, he thinks the way into Dom's heart is to rat on Hector. Right. Like, it feels like there should be a code of honor or ethics among these criminals. And it's just like, even though Hector's not like in the family, Hector's still kind of sort of a friend, right? Like he's yeah, in the scene. Yeah. And to be like, hey, Dom, I'm trying to appeal to you. I'm trying to help you out here because that guy's doing bad stuff. It's like, that feels feels like doesn't have the, the honor among thieves that I would imagine. Or like, I can see Brian doing that, but I can't see Dom like accepting it, embracing that. Right. But keep your mouth shut. Mind your own fucking business. I know this is a movie, and I know it's kind of a cheesy movie, but, like, Brian stumbles in to Hector's garage to spy on them and just happens to find three Honda Civics. Mm. Well, he knew because he was ordering the parts. And then he, like, goes to Johnny Tran's garage and happens to find a stack of DVD players. Like, Mm -hmm. it looks like it's one of these guys, for sure. (laughs) Although, why does Johnny Tran have all those DVD players? We never know. Legally, he just... Has a bunch of them that he's, like, reselling, I guess? I like to imagine that he was actually, like, although he's mad at Dom for sleeping with his sister and blow mm-hmm. and he blows up his car and doesn't want him on his turf, that mm-hmm. he's actually somehow part of this distribution of the stolen DVD players. Like, those were actually the stolen DVD players because the scene is small that he, like, you know, Dom sells a bunch of them to someone or wholesales the whole truck and then Johnny Tran winds up with some of them because it's one of his racing buddies, and then that's just how it happens. So he was on mm. the right path, just not at the right person. Yeah. Yeah. Something about how his hands aren't totally clean here, yeah. regardless of like what, what yeah. particular conspiracy that, that they're investigating is. Yeah, I also think that like the heist element is... Like, in a different movie, it's a little bit more like forward of like, oh, they're going to do a couple heists over the course of it. Whereas in this one... You know, if, remind me, but I believe that there's only like two on-screen heists: the first scene and then the 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 one in which it, things go back, mm-hmm. right. A hundred percent. Yep. Those are good-looking scenes. I thought that they did a real like like I just pulled up like who the the second unit director was and Ooh. Uh, just genuinely journeyman career has done a ton of stuff all over the place. Did a bunch of stuff in Phase Two of Marvel, like the Captain America: The Winter Soldier, which I thought had great stunts. Mm. Um, Iron Man Two, uh, a couple of Mel Gibson flicks. We don't need to get into that. But either way, like I, he he won an award for it among the stunt crowd, and I just thought like for this movie for Fast and the Furious like, One, there's a, the the Taurus Awards is a is a stunt performance awards. Uh, that has been given out since like 2000, and like this movie won for a ton of it: best driving, best vehicle work, best stuntman, best like stunt coordinator, that kind of stuff. And I could, like I was just very taken aback because part of it's just like one reason I think this movie feels like it's from a completely different era is that this clearly was like stunts, like the people were doing stuff. I think a lot of movies, including The Fast and Furious, lately 
can have that kind of flubbery thing where things feel very weightless, where things feel very um, like this, like the stunts are very, you know, the animation's good, but I mean, there's just a kinetic element to it that doesn't exist. I think even like when uh, Paul Walker hits the NOS when he's doing that first race with Vin Diesel and the mm-hmm. bottom, like I think it rattles basically the, the bolts out of his car and this passenger seat floor drops through. That's a cool looking thing. And like, you can't, you can't like CGI that in the year of our Lord 2001. And so like, I, I thought that it was very kinetic and, and felt very physical in a way that the movies kind of decrease over time. So here, so here's a question based on that. I think that I think we'll we'll sort of check back in throughout the lap. We know all logically. We've talked about this a lot. That as movies go on, as a franchise continues, as things get bigger, you have to go bigger and bolder and more expensive and crazier and whatever. Do you miss this small stakes stuff in later movies, or do you prefer going the space like Kim mentioned on in the intro episode? Like, do you like? I mean. Would it could we return to this? These like rumors that oh, like, that's the rumors, they might yeah. do a smaller movie. Like, could they come back to this? Yeah, but the, or do the you think that like we're... movie doesn't have to be? It doesn't have to feel small. So like the most kinetic movie of all time is probably Mad Max Fury Road, mm-hmm. and it, the stakes are not that big. Like, yeah, they have they save a whole town and everything. Mm-hmm. But you know, we're not saving the world from nuclear war or something. So, right. so like, yeah, I mean, th- but that felt so, so just so visceral and violent and and fast, right? It did actually yes. feel like yeah. mm-hmm. just kept going, just yeah, punched you in the face over and over and over and over again. And like, they obviously had a lot of computer generation imagery. They had a lot of touch ups. They had a lot of things like that. I'm not one of those types who like categorically doesn't like CGI. I think that that's naive in our day and age to suggest that even standard stunts could be accomplished with the versatility that they are without some degree of computer enhancement, post work, things like that. Uh, and, and anybody like whenever a director tries to like say like, Oh, this is all real. None of it's computer that they're always full of shit. Uh, <laughs> like consistently. And I don't like that. Cause I think it removes credit from people who work very hard on a thing. But like, I do think that there is something to this movie that like feels like even just like it's just a race along a road felt so much more intense intense than even just like you know i'm reminded of fast x where they're going through rome right and like part of that is that that sequence i don't think is their best i thought it was kind of interesting that it came out the same year as a mission impossible movie that basically did the same chase which was nuts to me but like and did it better and did it better because it felt like these guys were getting hurt they were getting hit they were like they were in an insufficient car Mm-hmm. And, and that was what I think made it fun. And so I think that, like, you know, this is – I haven't seen these guys on their back feet in a few flicks. And I think that this movie is good because it genuinely shows low-status people trying to, like, rise in the world, which I think is a far more compelling story sometimes than uh, a man who is contractually incapable of losing a fight. We've actually been watching uh, in between uh, the Icons on Earth thing. So as you're bringing up like how much you enjoy the special effects in this film and how real they feel, uh, and you mentioned that they won a bunch of awards for it, um, in in that they talk about like all of the innovations they had making yeah. this movie. Yeah, just like like it was like the first time they attached like the car to a truck that they could drive in the first one. So like that, like, yeah, like all they, they actually made like substantial engineering 
innovations, which I'm assuming is why they won all the awards and why it feels like so gritty to you or like just like this natural, realistic feel. So, yeah, I think that you're 100 percent right. I agree with it, too, because like it does feel very, very tangible in a lot of places. Just crashing a real car. Yeah, feels super tangible. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. When the NOS explodes, that is a cool explosion because, like, I think that nowadays—not to be like nowadays—back in my, but like, I think like now, if a car explodes in a movie, you have the fireball. You know, they they hit the mm-hmm. goes up, all that kind of stuff. Whereas in this one, it was like basically a three-stage explosion where the first yes. one is like a fire starts, and the next one is the gas goes, and then they're still running. You're like, well, what what, what are they running from? And then the NOS goes, and like it's just like it 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 has like I think a little bit more attention to detail, maybe, or or just like a little bit more like thought put into some of the stunt stuff rather than just the standard, like cool guy walk away from explosion stuff. What are you laughing at? I'm like, oh yeah, the nuclear submarine missile will obviously track back that way. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you know what? You know, I, I don't want to get too, um, I don't know if depressing is the right word here, but like, you know, OpenAI just announced Sora, right? You can do this text to video oh, yeah. crazy stuff. And like, I wonder if, you know, in the way that they build these large language models, like they're building it based on like, everything that's already been generated like i wonder if you tell sora to like give me a video of a car exploding like it's not going to do like this cool nas blue flame explosion from this movie it's going to be like every cgi manufacturer because there's so many more of those and so like we're just gonna have this like perpetual ad nauseum repetition unless you're trying to intentionally go back to this which i don't know have you ever gone to like one of the stunt shows at a a theme park like a universal Mm-hmm. something yeah and like basically they just like yeah we just pop the like you put a certain amount of gas out you flare it and then it goes up and that's just, like that is a standard effect and like mm-hmm. and it's important to have standard effects like that because you can't make a movie if every single effect is unpredictable right and so right. the default is always going to be oh we'll just do the standard flare and things like that and any improvisation on that compounds the difficulty and the risk that they need to weigh it was just cool seeing this movie like that i think is where they put a little bit of the money where like some of the effects and some of the, the some of the the stunts were specific effects that they designed to make this movie look different than every other car movie that had happened before. And I just dug that. I don't know. It, fe- it felt a little bit more small batch, I guess, or, or, or like, you know, uh, craft. made in a way. Yeah, craft. That, like, obviously when you have a, a massive product that you can't have. But, like, I don't know. I just thought I, I dug it. I thought it was cool. Artisanal. Artisanal. Absolutely. I know it's meant to be a sign of respect, but if we had you guys over for a party yeah. and you're like our new friends and we're mad at our current friends and we take a beer from those current friends and wipe the lid off and give it to you. Uh-huh. Would you drink that beer? Would you like, can you give me a new beer? Well, it depends on if you then immediately leave the party to go sleep with your girlfriend upstairs. If you do that, then that's just standard host behavior. Yeah. That's That seems on brand then. Exactly. <laughs> I, I, I take the beer. Yeah. I, I'm fine. Yeah. You take it. It'll be fine. Yeah. I would be nervous to drink it in front of the uh, in front of the friend that was scorned. You know what I mean? I think that that's a level of disrespect to them well, that I'm scared of. Especially to Walt's point, like Dom does this thing is like, "Hey, fuck you, Vince." Brian, here's his here's his beer. I'm heading up for the night. Is Dom the worst host ever? <laughs> like. He does say we have all these people over. He has, he has many people over. He says hello to none of them. He just says like, you, Letty, you're with me. I'm going to go upstairs. And like, he, then he just leaves. And like, more power to him because obviously he did just almost get arrested. But like, I can't imagine a ho- like a party in my house coming in and being like, you're with me, Leather, and then getting out of there. Like, 
Yeah, I think no, no, I think, but I think Kim's right. Like, I think maybe Letty is specifically the worst host because Dom is concerned about having all the guests, and she's like, "Nope, going upstairs." And he's like, "Okay." Like, <laughs> it just doesn't seem like he invited the guests, yeah. right? They were all everyone was already. <laughs> I also kind of get the sense of like this is just like every night there because like they're not like. Like, Vince is just flirting, Leon's flirting, Jesse's making out with a girl, Letty's just playing video games, right? Like, it feels like they're just having people over. She's ignoring everyone playing video games. I forgot. It's it's Mm -hmm. on the floor, too. Which, like, at a house party, is an inconvenient amount of space to take up when the floor... Oh, 100%. I I had in my notes, most 1980s cops ever, and then most 1990s party ever. (laughs) (laughs) The guitar that Vince is playing in the corner? The Zach Wilde guitar? Mm -hmm. Oh, no. Because you also think, like... Like, if it's a if it's a party, you know, Mia might not like love Dom's friends. But like, if it's like a if it's a one off thing, she'll probably be socializing. But she's like, I have homework. Like this, I can't. This is every night. Like it feels like it's just this is like what their house is. <laughs> so it feels inconvenient. Yeah. Does it stay that way? Do you think? In like in the it, the things that we're not seeing in the following movies in their house, when do they stop living this particular life at the Toretto house? Well, so there is an alternate ending to this movie where they drop Brian off at the house, right? Yes. He comes up to the garage and Mia's in the garage. And Mia's like packing stuff up because they have to sell the house and move because Dom's been arrested or something. It's like, oh wow! it's a very wildly like this is the definitive ending to this franchise. And he's just like, hey, let me help you. But like. That's very. Do they still have parties when Dom is in Mexico? I don't know. No, no, Dom is the party. He's gravity. Everything gets pulled to him. Without Dom, there is no party. And Leon's shot. I mean, sorry, uh, Leon's probably hiding. Jesse's dead, and Vince is shot. So, like, there's no party then. It does. Mia's not throwing parties. First three movies are the ones where there's, like, extras and parties and stuff like that that they're throwing, right? Like, like Tej is throwing parties at his garage. Yes. Han is throwing parties at his garage. But past then, they're either going to parties other people throw or, like, everyone we see is just the family. I also think that the thing that's interesting about this movie that was different than other movie is that this – bear with me. This movie had sets. Like, they built a mm. diner to hang out in. They built the house mm-hmm. – and, like, they return to these locations multiple times over the course of the film. In most other D- – I almost said most other D&D flicks because I'm getting there. But in most other <laughs> Furious movies, they basically start one place and then go on a journey. And like, mm-hmm. any time that they're together, they're in a new location hanging out. And, like, I think that that, again, speaks to why this is a different kind of storytelling style than other franchises, which is that every movie is a journey. You don't always return home at the end. You don't always go. Like, you're basically just kind of pushed forward in a way that I think that many other franchises either reset at the end of it to kind of get some sense of normalcy or have a permanent change, but nevertheless maintain, you know, locations or continuity or change. Whereas in this one, you can be scattered to the four winds at the end of it. You get like, I I think it's so wild that they filmed an original ending to this that again, like I mentioned is vaguely haze code where it's like, and maybe test audiences will hate the fact that, you know, the cop didn't catch the guy and Mm -hmm. the fact that, you know, the ambiguously mixed race dude gets away with it in Mexico and, and they, won't just they won't see tickets anymore and and like i do like the fact that they had the courage of their convictions to actually end it in a like somewhat ambiguity matter and and then nevertheless like i don't think that they ever like stop doing that i think that's a cool thing about the franchise which is that it does like it is a journey-based franchise rather than a a, a, like an episodic one the journey just gets uh, the the spots they end up in yeah 
get really, really diverse you and just keep far apart over They over just keep time. leveling up every single... I, again, I think that it is so unique in that regard where even if, like, I sometimes have issues with the quality of it, like, I think, like, nobody else is doing storytelling like that. And even just the ending of, like, I forgot that this was the ending. Like, to, again, I've only seen this movie, like, four times, but I just, like, I forgot that it ends with, like, yeah, they shoot two guys, and then they go on a street race where they decide then that they're brothers, and then he lets him go. And, like, that's just, like, a cool ending in a way that I didn't really expect them to have the nerve to do, you know? You put 80s music on that uh, on that railroad jump? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then freeze frame it, end the movie? Perfect. <laughs> mm. Or, I mean, it just becomes Point Break, right? But, like, at the end of Point Break, you're kind of okay with him letting Bodie get away because Bodie ostensibly dies. That's Yeah, that's what I was going to no say. A cop, right? Like, like Bodie, the- Bodie gets away, but it's not in the same sense that, like, Dom, like, we, in the end, and then in the credits, you see, like, Dom is still alive. Like, yeah. Bodie gets away to die. So it's the same as being captured, ultimately, right? Yeah. He, so it's, like, a her. completely different. Yeah. Which is different than getting away with a crime. <laughs> like... Mm-hmm. Yes. Do you guys think Dom makes his own barbecue sauce or does he buy it? Because we see him basting that chicken on the grill and he's got the little brush. He's got a little bowl of sauce. You think he makes that sauce? You think he buys that sauce? I have an answer. I think that you should go first. He buys it. Yeah. What yeah. Do you think? I don't think it's time. Mm, he's he, got nothing but time. He's he's a busy he's a busy dude. Yeah. He's got to take care of all these people. I think that for a while Dom made his own barbecue sauce and then nobody really liked it or remarked on it and then <laughs> started. Getting bottles that he would then pour Heinz barbecue sauce into, and then maybe a little salt to spice it. Sweet baby raisin. He like yeah, it'll be fine. He sweet baby raisin, but like basically, it's like you know how like I don't know if you ever worked in a restaurant, but sometimes like you know the house sauce is just they mix ketchup into the ranch dressing, you know. And like I think that that's what he's doing with that. And like he still says, hey, I got the special sauce, and everybody likes it now. And so he's still getting that. Well, does he does he cook in all the other films when they have barbecues? Who's cooking? I think Dom's typically on the grill. I mean, Rico and Tego are on the grill. Leo and yeah. Sando are on the grill, but they one of them at least one of them sucks at cooking. Like, right? I think that Dom buys the sauce, but he has a local place that he really likes and like gets pints of it yeah. from a local place that's like artisanal craft barbecue sauce. So it is made with love, but not by him. I mean, there's also a chance that like they make it at the sh- at Toretto's Marketing Cafe and he just brings it home from there. Like he's not making it, but still homemade. You know what I mean? Like yes. Mia might make it or something. That is a curious question. I like that question. I mean, good job. They serve like canned tuna at the shop. They do serve canned tuna. It, it is not a good time. It is not a well thought out job. Yeah, but it's made with love. <laughs> Do you think that he carries his weight? I mean, I know that he does the books at the cafe, and I know he's worried about the mortgage and the bills there and everything like that, but, like, it seems like, I mean, it also doesn't seem very busy, but, like, it seems like Mia's kind of doing the work there, and she's a college kid or a high school kid. I think that he does the work by street racing at night to get enough money to make rent. Like I think Bingo, that, that was my thought. Yeah, yeah, I think that, like, this is not a viable business. They should have cut bait and ran. Unfortunately, the Toretto's are, simp- are you know... They are a. Uh, uh, they can be persuaded to to kind of keep doing something long after it ought to be over with, and uh, I think that they are just kind of going with the flow because they never really got over uh, their father's immolation, as is alluded to in the film. Mm. Well, that comes back in a big way in F nine. So get ready for more fiery racetrack deaths, daddy issues. Is there anything about this movie 
that doesn't really work. Knowing where it goes, knowing it's a kickoff of thing, they're just throwing things out there. They're trying things. They're they're seeing what works. Aside from you know calling race wars race wars, is there stuff about this that you're like I can't believe? Because a lot of this feels like it's a miracle that there's a second movie, let alone yeah eleven of these, right? But like, is there anything about this that you're like I can't believe they left that in there? Other than you know race wars, I think the cops are in a completely different movie. I think the, I think mm. the police in the, in the house are in a completely different franchise movie. Like they, like whenever they were cast, they were just like, yeah. So basically you're the guys in heat. Uh, and uh, <laughs> you gotta like, you know, you're, you're that kind of type of guy and uh, just make sure that you're just, you know, kind of all friends, but this young punk. And like, I just think that they're, they think that they're in a completely different franchise. And I think that that like bears out because what the franchise eventually realizes it's cops need to be is, dudes like Dwayne uh, uh the rock johnson and, and other like you know super cops and things like that like the very like modern like uh like like you know style of you know the, what cops kind of became where like you know you had like that concept of the cop in the 80s and the cop in the 90s where it was like you know the buddy cop movie kind of evaporated right because cops were no longer kind of fun and interesting and like working class guys to watch they basically became like you know the comedian from uh from, from Watchmen, like just very competent, uh like 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 very like uh brutal and very muscled. And so mm, like, mm-hmm. the, the cop movie, like the the illustration of cops on screen, has changed over time. That again, those gentlemen just feel like fossils. And I and I think that like they that must have like it could have been like a second unit thing. It could have been the director was still figuring out the tone in the editing booth. But like at the same time, it just felt like that was a completely different movie. And if you had cut all those scenes, like I think that it maybe would have been more the core of what Fast and Furious became. It does feel like to a certain extent, they need someone like Brian because without a young person, they would never be able to keep up with the modern world, right? Like they need someone, even though Brian is a terrible cop, like he's bad at his job. He lets the criminal go. It feels like without him, they wouldn't be close, even though it does seem like they already know it's Dom, but it feels like they need youth to like keep up with the modern times. Right. I want to just briefly, before we continue to engage with the question of what does Dom mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like Brian really is an awful cop. Like they know <laughs> they basically have Dom dead to rights. They're like, mm-hmm. Hey Brian, we need you to pretend to be uh, a, a ragamuffin, a, a little scamp who knows how to drive cars and get the get the get everything that you can on Toretto and like never bothers to like search evidence like never re- he's just really really bad at presumably what they sent him to do because he loves him he's like no it's not him because he's my boyfriend <laughs> <laughs> i mean yeah, i'm wrong i thought it was weird to see um to see dominic toretto kiss somebody in this movie because i feel like he becomes a fairly asexual individual over the course of the film for sure i think vin largely is asexual like as an actor as a celebrity as you're also, right like, so is the rock like a lot of a lot of these people are i think that it also became as movies became more internationally distributed it's a lot harder to get distribution for some of that stuff like, mm-hmm. there's just less demand for it in, in a lot of the territories sure. that they're looking for that oftentimes gets cut and so you know if you can skip it you can skip it but anyway, I, I didn't want to divert us from too much from the question uh, of kim what do you think could be cut from this film could have been cut from this film. We talked about one-liners very briefly, but like they're obviously trying absolutely everything to get. get, I smell skanks and things like that. Really like to, to, to hit with, with, with the culture that's watching these, these movies. So people like repeat these one-liners to each other. And you know what? Like they got better at it over time, but in this particular, did they, 
did they, I think they get better at it? Maybe they got better at it. I don't know. When the the rocks are good, except in uh, Fast Five. Those they're awful in Fast Five. Yeah. Give me the damn veggies. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> Although I think again, going back to like what I was saying at the start of the episode, like that feels like that's what makes this makes this set apart. Like in Fate of the Furious, when they have Hobbs and Shaw like flirting with each other, basically like, can we do a spinoff movie? All it is is one-liners, but it feels like they're going for a thing here. Just like we're making T-shirts, like we're some, one of these is going to hit, and one of these is going to be a T-shirt, and it's like I will mm-hmm. say one of them hit. I was I was genuinely like taken aback because I didn't expect it was coming by the like I live my life a quarter mile at a time, and like obviously that has become a little bit of a mantra throughout the series. But the first time that he hits that, you're like, oh. That's actually a pretty good. I kind of understand exactly what this guy's about in a way that maybe I didn't five minutes ago. I can see the gears turn. Like I'm much more sympathetic to him. I imagine Brian is t- like it's just like that line really, really hits, and I did not expect it to because it's basically become the gotta catch them all of this franchise, where it's just the thing that's on it, all, all, all the all the bumper stickers and the t-shirts and all that. But like that genuinely delivered. Mm-hmm. Say like Diesel's yeah. a, like I think I contend and not everybody agrees but i contend that diesel is a pretty good actor uh and i think that like that's a moment where you were like oh man no you you did a good job there mr mr diesel there, there's a weird bit about that whole speech though and yeah. the, the, the the line right after it i believe uh has to do with how he doesn't have to like worry about his family mm-hmm. time but throughout this entire film series he's always worried about constantly his worried about his family so yeah maybe he's and he says he's happiest in the moment where he's not like thinking about his family so i yep. worry is a different connotation than like thinking about right so like i think that if he's not worried about his family in that one moment is because he, he's doing the thing that he's best at he's got he's in a flow state you know of course yeah i don't know i dug that a lot i thought that was great it does hit really nice, and like, it, and even if it's kind of cheesy, like quarter mile at a time, it's concise. You know exactly what he's saying. You're absolutely right. It just puts you right there, and you're like, yep, that sounds like something he would say. It fits the, the theme of the movie, and it makes sense. So I want to play a little bit of a thought experiment game here that I don't think we've ever done before, but I think, you know, looking at this franchise the way that we are, it kind of makes sense to do it now. Imagine you walk out of the theater in 2001 having seen this movie, and I know that, like, it's a different time and, like, sequels are not guaranteed. It's not like every successful thing becomes a sequel because, like, that's Hollywood is out of ideas. But if you're leaving that theater or you're an executive at Universal, like, this is a hit. We need a second one. Like, what would you expect as, you know, someone who had just seen this movie? Like, what would you hope for a sequel, like, Too Fast, Too Furious to be? Because, like, it being like, well, mm. we're following this one guy across the country with a whole brand new group of people. Like, that's not what I would expect. That's not what I would want either, I don't think. Like... What's the story you would want to follow this up with? I'm so glad that you asked this because I actually, you know, the earliest part of this franchise, anything before four, I'm actually rather loose up. Like I haven't mm-hmm. seen the other ones. And so I actually like, you know, do not recall as much of a, a, of mm. two and nor even as much as three as, as I imagine everyone else does. And so like, where would I take this franchise next is like, it's such a good question. Cause it, is it like, do you get the heist crew back together uh, is it a, you know, do you follow Walker as he investigates a new group of people? I think that the issue is, is that like the most successful part of this movie, which is that like fascinating tension between Vin Diesel and Paul Walker that I think is, is just based on chemistry is like the least 
like a serializable element of it, right? It's, it's yeah. like you can obviously make the cop serial, you can obviously make the criminal serial, you can obviously like carry those stories forward, but like the entanglement between them, like in any situation like that, you're getting into a potential team rocket scenario where it's just like, oh, well, you know, the cops are they, they're gonna lose every time or something. Like, and so, like, I'm glad that, like, I, I also, from that point of view, is like, if you think about most franchises at this point in Hollywood, all of them are trilogies, nothing except like James mm. Bond. And a couple of the horror stuff goes beyond just a trilogy and then they're done, right? Like like Jurassic Park trilogy and they're done. Think of the big movies of the 90s that actually made sequels and they're usually trilogies, at least at this point in history. And sure. like, if you think about, like, based on what I recall from this franchise, if you can, if, you, if they never made anything after three and they just had this trilogy of films, it makes no fucking sense. Like, not, <laughs> not a cent, no. It makes no sense whatsoever. And, like, it is the most, like, it, it, taken as a trilogy, I would argue it is an abject failure because it does not actually, like, it. Tra- it's basically, like, a thematic trilogy. You barely follow the through lines between these characters that much. And, like, it, it's so kind of fascinating to see, like, how not only did they then immediately write the ship, but they, they like, perfectly locked it in to become one of, like, defining franchises of its decade. But, like, where do I take it from here? I don't know because I, I would find it, like, maybe like Walker gets a promotion to Interpol and has to chase him down. I, I think we're overcomplicating things. Yeah. Okay. Ready? If you look at this from a professional wrestling Fuck standpoint, damn. okay. I was waiting. For there this. is a tag Fuck. team being created here God. between Dominic Toretto and mm. Brian O'Connor. Yeah. Right. So that has to come together in the second movie because uh-huh. they've not like fully joined forces yet. They had, right. you know, they had an argument. They went back and forth a little bit and finally they left it there, but with a newfound respect for one another. So in the next film, you figure out how to get those two puzzle pieces together, have them intertwine throughout the plot until finally by the end of it, like Hobbs and Shaw did in uh, in their, their storyline, they become that tag team with all these tertiary characters. Isn't that just the- so you're pitching the fourth movie. Yeah, it, it should be the second movie. Like they went on two real, like extreme detours before they got there. That was always the movie. There's a very funny thing that Joe mentioned. We're watching icons on earth and we're like, you know, we've, we've seen them cover up through like the sixth movie. And it's funny for th- to hear these people talk about like only in like making the fifth movie that they're like, this is when we started planning like for future movies too. It's like you've made so many of these movies to not think about what comes next. Like I love that they're just like playing so fast and loose, but it's it's crazy that they're just like, yeah, whatever, we'll figure it out. It's just like mm, I will push Miami. Well, just because I think that like again, like this is a different, like, this is a fundamentally different kind of storytelling style than anything else. And I think the fact that it is completely unplanned until the fifth adds a little bit of charm to it. In the same way that like, yes. comic book arcs have a charm. Just like a lot of comic book arcs, like you said, like, okay, you're going to get five issues. And like, if there's an audience at issue five, we'll maybe get you a few more. And then if you're able to build that audience, then you can have an arc. Nobody says like, okay, you have a 20 issue arc of Hawkeye. Have fun. It's always like you have to, you get basically five to prove it. And if you don't prove it, then they're going to cancel it. And then they'll figure out a new writer to take on the character a little bit. And so mm-hmm. it, that's really what happened with this, right? Like they, they made an arc and they were like, this is great. Let's continue it going. And then they like took the arc in a weird direction. They're like, eh, we're going to do a reset. And they took the arc in a different direction. They're like, eh, we're going to do a reset. And then they were like, okay, we'll, we'll get the back. We'll get the creative parts back into play. And it's just like, it's a different style of storytelling than like you see in Hollywood a lot, but like in wrestling, in comic books, 
it is that is how it's done like in soap operas that's how it's done you you try shit out and if it doesn't hit you 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 change it and if it works you really triple down on it but they're not spending hundreds of millions of dollars no, they to are make not. the movies on these long shot ideas that they're just throwing at a wall seeing what sticks and coming back and starting over that is an so element it's like a problem yes <laughs> like it's just a wild idea. Yeah, like, I fully agree with you. You're like, yeah, you know, in soap operas, you're like, well, this thing has been on for 40 years. <laughs> and, like, you know, they're not paying that much to make them, so. That, that's part of it. I also think that, you know, it is a bit misguided to do that, but it worked out. Like, it did. It absolutely did. That we're here. But did it work because they did that or in spite of them doing that? In spite of. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I think so, but like, I I would be sad if the if we lived in a world without Tokyo Drift. Yeah. So I disagree. I think it worked because of it. I think it worked because, like, you know, there's this idea of like, you know, like when you get stuck in a rut, it's because like you there there are like better places that more would maximize the thing that you like. But mm-hmm. it's just like getting over that hill on either side is is what gets you stuck there. It's a local minima, right, or a local maxima, and you can't get to the actual good stuff. Unless you like do something crazy that kind of puts you over the edge. Right? But like, the question there is like, why did people go and watch the fourth film after the second and third one? Well, like, well, it's aimless now. Like, what are we gonna do? Oh, oh, Mr. Wrestler, is there any possible history of two people who are really good together being kept apart arbitrarily until finally, until finally to come back at sacrifice or something like that? Right? Do Do I have that right, Kim? Yeah, it's got do, the do I have the vernacular? I, I think, like, you know, we've said this before, but I think there's something, like, that Joe and I really, like, look like enjoy looking forward to after we finish a lap and coming back here, because these early movies feel messy and chaotic in a way that, like, the later ones, again, we love the later ones, but they feel like this is where we have to do, these are the beats we have to hit to get to a thing, and here they're just like, I don't know, we're figuring it out to get, like, we're all figuring it out, you know what I mean? It's, so it's, it's to watch them all on loop, on loop, on loop, and then to see Reset. Five and six are like these like high points, and then it's like okay, then seven, eight, nine, ten, whatever. Like we're figuring things out. Like we're we're approaching an end game here, and then to get back here and be like, I cannot believe that this is a multi billion dollar franchise <laughs> based on this one movie. It just feels insane. It's, yeah. it's really interesting to see like there's so many just extra side characters right that exist there yeah. that they end up. Uh, bringing back two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine movies down the line. Uh, that that it's just ripe for the, the the nerding out for the people who watch all these movies to to grasp hold of these characters. Everyone but Ja Rule, I suppose. Is there anything from this movie that you wished they would bring back that they didn't? That you're like that that's an interesting thread that I wish they explored more fully and they just dropped. I absolutely have an answer, but Kim, you go. Is yours not? Ja Rule? No, my what? No, mine is <laughs> mine is. Uh, I think Johnny's great. I think he's an amazing villain. I think that I was gonna say. Yep, I agree with you. I was gonna no, say Johnny Tran. Just be like, and he got better. He was wounded. Whoops, and now he's got revenge. Mm-hmm. And then friends become enemies. Enemies become lovers. It, it's Sorry. like it makes sense. Bring it back. He's the bad guy in Hobbs and Shaw. No problem. He's great. I mean, he's, no, I exactly. Like, somebody has said that we've like we've had like we've had fans like who is the head of Etion? You're like, why isn't it Johnny Tran? He's still pissed off. I, like he's still out there. We had Chrissy Shackelford when during the writers strike when she was not writing for last week tonight she was a guest on our show and she talked about she has this theory that in her mind because we've seen so many characters come back from the dead on this in this franchise she has this theory that if dom does not see someone die they are not dead and dom is nowhere near johnny trans supposed death location i also do feel like if at this point i mean look if they want to make a movie smaller 
if they want to bring it back to like basics and origin, whatever, bring back the villain from the first movie. It's the perfect time to do it. But I also feel like people, like most people who maybe have seen the original movie once or like 15 years ago or whatever, be like, wait, who's this? Yeah. Like if he's like the big bad, I don't know, but we would love it. They did that in uh they had to re-explain it with uh, Jason Momoa, right? They went through the mm. whole process of making everyone that was very, very clear was really who stupid. this person was. That was really stupid, and I liked it a lot. <laughs> I mean, they invent characters out of what, I mean, you can use, like, uh, you know, clearly there's a lot on the cutting room floor from this movie. Johnny, he checks his, he checks his pulse, right? And then tells someone to call 911. Yeah, but he's the worst cop in the world. And really doesn't know how to, like, he doesn't know how to like not say, no, I'm a cop. He, he like, says, he, he tells him to call 911 as if this person could still be Oh, as it, like, he doesn't go like, call the morgue. And then ends on the phone, get the coroner <laughs> down that here. That would have been a better one-liner. That's not bad. Like, But he's like, call 911. Yeah, so like, yeah, I, I make him alive. I would like that a lot. You need to, like, they would need to, Set this start setting this up two movies ago. Yes, but like I think it's important. I think with the Momoa thing, they can just like pivot that because they're like the past will your past will come back to haunt you. Yeah, the seeds are there. You know what I mean? It's not like unfathomable that they're like, oh, by the past we meant like Jason Momoa and Johnny Tran. It is a little funny that like if if this if this gentleman who rides a motorcycle and shoots things with Uzis does end up like running an international spy cartel. That would be a fun, like, you know, I would watch that. I'm so down. Yeah, yeah. I would watch that movie. I would watch Fe- the Fast and the Furious spinoff of, like, showing his rise from the, from the <laughs> hospital bed in L.A. Th- through r- owning, like, With Cypher. Don, Don, you want, like, Johnny Tran as the main character. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No. I mean. But this has to be this has to be a miniseries, right? I've seen him. He's in a, yeah, it has to be a, a miniseries to, to bring him to where he is. Peacock? Yeah. Get on this. Peacock, this is exactly what we're here for. Like, he plays uh, Kublai Khan's brother. I believe he's still in Marco Polo on Netflix. Not bad. Yeah. Yeah. He's still around. Anything else? I think there are big takeaways from this first movie that you either forgot about entirely. And maybe it might be easier for Walt to answer than Kim because Kim's seen it as much as we have. Um, Things you completely forgot about things that you're excited to like see where they go. If they go Um, takeaways from watching this movie 23 years later with the, 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 future of the franchise in question. I also like don't want like, I want to make sure that like people listening to the show aren't like, Oh, there's such downers. Like n- there might not be another movie, but like it's just like it's it's a weird time to be a fan of this franchise. I want to make sure that like we're watching through that lens. So like I'm not saying we don't know what's coming next because we genuinely don't know what's coming next. Although they did confirm Alan Richson as Ames is returning in Fast Eleven, so he's coming back. So cool. think that we are down on this franchise. We are not down on this franchise. This no, franchise is a miracle. That is like when when we were like we want to talk to you guys about this and come on potentially like you know. There's a franchise I can think of where sometimes two friends join up for a few for a few for a run of movies, and it's mm-hmm. and so I think that this this franchise is 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 a unicorn. I think it is like I don't know how it like I was like scrolling through to be like, man, can you think of another like 2000s early 2000s like f- movie that you could get this much mileage out of that you can get 10 movies to spin off and like have it go from being like very low like what would that even look like and like the answer is no like you can't like what this thing accomplished 
is phenomenal. And so even regardless of what comes next, it is worth studying this because it it's like it feels organic in a way that no other franchise really feels. Every other franchise feels like they have the book that it's based on and they're going to adapt the book. They're going to split the book up into these three chapters. You know what's probably going to happen in each movie when you get into it. Uh, each one is, is, you know, sequential, even the ones that aren't things like Mission Impossible, you know that most of the plot and most of the characters are, you know, just kind of draped over a very good sequence of stunts. Whereas like this film series is, is I think like either the, the future of all of this, right? Where it's like taking the storytelling styles of comic books, of wrestling, of these serialized storytelling things and making that just so what it is moving forward or it is genuinely the last of its kind. And we will never see anything like this happen again because nobody's making movies like The Fast and the Furious anymore mm. for them to have nine sequels to, right? Nobody's doing original things anymore that aren't based on pre-existing IP. And obviously this is based on pre-existing IP, but Vibe Magazine articles ain't exactly the, the, the holy <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. And so uh, I, I just think that this movie is so insane and it's also just shocking that like you know other franchises do like have kind of walked in these footsteps right like but is this movie is this movie so insane no the this franchise one? yeah right this franchises right. so to be clear i'm talking about like this organism that we that we are seeing right this multicellular organism that is the fast and the furious right the film this little first cell right this primordial piece of goop is a fascinating thing to look at. It's like a fossil that has too many legs. I can't look away from it. It looks weird. I like it. It's compelling. It does not exist anymore. You could never make it today. And, no. Uh, I don't know. I just think like it is just kind of fascinating to watch what it grew into, right? And I think what it grew into is truly exciting in a way that I think very few things are because I think that no, but, like, no other... There's just nothing else like this. And I think that, that, you know, when you guys go around this track every time, I think it's exciting just because I think, you know, this is worth worthy of thought because, like, they have done something here that really they got away with it, right? That, like, in yeah. ways, these movies should not have happened. These sequels should not have happened. Um, these casts shouldn't have succeeded based on the prevailing conventional wisdom within Hollywood at the time. Like, there's so many reasons that this shouldn't have worked. And not only does it work, but like, you know, during what we would maybe call its many heydays, like it had some of the most high box office, diverse audiences, global appeal, the kind of things that you really can't buy. Like it, it just organically built that up. And so I think that it's worthy of, you know, thought, respect. And I'm very excited for what comes up, even if the future is a bit nebulous, just because this there's nothing else like this thing that we're talking about. I do wonder, like, what you were saying in that, like, I wonder if this is almost, like, sort of grandfathered in at Universal, like, we're never doing this again, but, like, let's see how this goes. Because, I, you know, <laughs> there's always going to be sequels, there's always going to be franchises, there's always going to try to make more things that people like, but the craziness with which there are 11 of these movies and maybe up to 12, 13, 14, who knows how many, it's like, Barbie made a billion two or whatever, right? Like, is that going to be around as a franchise in 23 years? Probably not. I mean, like, as a movie franchise? Hmm? I think it's like the one that is closest to it is I think Bond, right? Mm -hmm. You have a, a cast of characters who has a new set of encounters every time. They try to raise the stakes. Action-based franchise. Nevertheless, you really care about the people involved. But like even this has additional subtext going between it, right? Because in Bond, like, you know, it's it's very episodic. They'll change out the cues, they'll change out the characters occasionally. But in this, like, it really does feel like, you know, they are doing 
you know, arguably a multi-generational uh, storytelling style that you don't see in film. You just don't, it's in other mediums that we've talked a bunch about, but like you don't see it in movies. And, and I think that like even the MCU derives itself from comic books and has an interconnected arc, but is aggressively planned. Whereas this really does kind of seem like they start with a blank page every new film. And there's an excitement to that. Because I think like, you know, you were saying a multi-generational thing like the bond movies reset every time there's a bond there's a new bond like it resets but i think there's an equal chance that the fast and furious fully reboots or is just like it's dom's kid is the star of the next bunch of movies you know what i mean like it feels like it could go either way which feels insane like a full like prince of bel-air kind of reboot with the same characters Mm -hmm. but new people I think that there's I think that there's a timeline here that that absolutely happens. I've thought about it before that there's a situation where we like just tuck it for 10 years and then we just get the like hey, why, we're out of ideas, let's do Fast and the Furious again and they just literally start from the first one and just go. Well, gentlemen, I have a bit of a counterpoint if not a fulfillment of what you're describing, which is that this franchise you know, mm-hmm. this humble franchise, which started off boosting car stereos from containers in the L.A. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This franchise has gone to other countries. It has gone to Mexico. Mm-hmm. It has gone to Europe. It has gone to Asia. It has gone to Dubai. CIA black sites. It has gone to CIA black sites. It has gone to the Arctic Ocean. Hey, Kim, do countries own the Arctic Ocean? No. It's gone to places where no man no man controls anything. It's gone to the sky. It's gone to space. It hung out in space and landed from space and no one died. Good times. This this franchise has gone everywhere, except it hasn't gone back. And when Dom Toretto says that we started this thing, a fundamentally illogical statement, maybe Dom Toretto did start that thing. Maybe this whole franchise is leading to two words, gentlemen. Race, race horse. <laughs> oh, no. I thought you were going to say they have not gone truly underwater and like it's a center James of the earth. Cam- I thought James center Cam- of the earth. No, no, it's, ra- it's race war. We're going okay. back in time starting race wars. It's a great idea. We, we came up with it. Don't say starting race wars. We're going to start a race war. We're going to go back to, I guess, the 70s. Plural. Start some race wars. Yeah. And uh, yeah. January 6th. Sorry. I don't, uh. That tape means nothing to me. I'm in the 1970s. Since we've last recorded, Christopher Nolan's out here in these streets talking about how much he loves these movies, wanting to watch all of them with Stephen Colbert, right? right. Like. He's now talking he wants to do a horror movie. Like, Louis Leterrier did a serviceable job as a fill-in for Fast 10, but, like, why can't we get... I mean, I know James Cameron's doing the Avatar things, but why can't we get a Christopher Nolan? Why can't we get a Tarantino? I know he's doing I'll the tell you thing, but like, Because there's an auteur to this franchise, and his name is Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel. Yes, yeah. that's true. Yeah, you have to be compatible with Vin. Or, like we see, mm-hmm. Justin Lin, you sometimes have to... Yeah, sometimes you gotta get, get yeah. out of the way. Yeah. Kim, I don't remember the question that I asked Walt. They even answered the question of Walt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah what was that question <laughs> i don't remember uh it was probably about some whatever are, like are you down on the franchise are you cool are, oh yeah i mean, of course i am like yeah, yeah. It, like it's it's uh as you said just just uncanny right like how did this possibly work and and yet we're here and there, there's something about the uh the 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 level up nature of all this that that makes you want to s- see them level up more right like i, I just I, I don't i don't they can take this anywhere at this point but yeah. but i want to i want to see i want to see the level up of these D characters yeah when, when they get to level mm-hmm. 20 and they're virtually unstoppable like yeah. what, what happens i think we'll find out recruit a team they gotta recruit a team they have a team. team they are a team 
I know, but they need a bigger team. Bigger team. Okay, got it. Nothing quite like a bigger team. That's what you got. Like sometimes you think you have a big team, but the threats are bigger than you are. You Usher, know? Usher would be great. Usher would be dope. Mm-hmm. What kind of Usher? Yeah, Super Bowl hype. Yeah. Like Usher it. on yeah. roller skates. Oh, 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 yeah. oh, yeah, that's a vehicle featuring Ludacris at that halftime show, right? Like he's there. Yeah. We got the. Oh, end. that's right. He was already there. Yeah, you could have watched that connection happen. Like maybe that's where the pitch came. You know, it's canon now. Ushering in a new era. Oh no, Fast and uh, Furious. The poster writes itself. Yeah. Joe, any final thoughts about this movie before we play a game? I'm so happy that we we're watching it with Walt and Kim. Aw. Yeah. Thank you for having us. This is very fun. Yeah. I'm excited for the game, but like this is I'm I'm very happy that our very stupid idea uh found purchase. <laughs> I mean, oh, of course. This is super bizarre. Just last note on this. Super <laughs> bizarre that uh to to watch Ja Rule in a movie after all the fire festival stuff that is true mm. yes yes uh, I, I don't think i'd watch this weirdly and to re- and to remember that he said no he was too big to continue to be well, there he said give me 50 million dollars and they said no we'll get ludicrous for a lot less than that and it worked out yeah is is uh is race wars only the second least successful festival that ja rule has been a part of uh, <laughs> mm, i mean race wars is still around and they didn't serve sad cheese sandwiches or whatever, so... Can we go? That's true. Like, in the real world, is it around, or is this just a Fast and Furious thing? I mean, it you know, it's based on things that I'm sure are still around, but I don't think they're called race wars. Do you want to go to an illegal street race in Queens? I do not want to go to any race wars. I'm not, I'm not saying race wars in illegal <laughs> street races. <laughs> we can do that, yeah. We can do that, probably. That, that we can do. We could just kind of follow our ears. We're not going to be... We're not racing. I can't drive. No, I don't I, have... You are Canadian, and you do not have a license. I'm we're in New York, okay? Uh, we do not do that. <laughs> Please, if you find one, let us know. I will absolutely <laughs> yeah. <know>. Yes. <laughs> and we'll get to Queens probably at, you know, 2.30 in the morning for whatever this race is. That's when the race starts. That's when races yeah, happen. Uh, of course. Yeah. Got it. Of course. <laughs> All right. We have a game to play. This ain't no 10 second race, a.k.a. Boy, do we have a podcast for you. Boy, do we have a podcast for you. Come and check out our show. Yeah, yeah. This is where we go on Twitter.com or X.com. Although the redirect is still there. It's still Twitter.com. I don't know what he's doing with that. Maybe he doesn't have enough engineers. Who knows? Go on Twitter.com, a.k.a. the Bird app, and find any tweet from anyone tweeting about these movies. Respond to them as Too Fast, Too Forever, and try to get them to watch the show. Um, so let me first look back at our last episode's picks. We had Zaki Hassan on to talk about Fast 10. And I don't remember. I think maybe Joe did Zachy get points. I think so. Like while as we, we were, were playing. recording, yes, while we were recording, yes. And I don't think I did because I never do. I found please in parentheses at Demac twelve fourteen forever. I can't believe they made Fast Town without knowing where the series would go next. Have you watched these movies before? And we said, as Brian said in Fast Furious Six, they're going to do what they do best: improvise. It's all part of the journey. Boy, do we have a podcast for you. It got two likes, but from Aaron and Randy. So no, no, no. Oh, sad. Unfortunate. Yeah. Joe, you found Ryan Eads at Ryan2499. I decided a month ago to check out the Fast and Furious movies. Hadn't seen one. Not really my thing. Just got through Fast 10. And now I'm on every site I can find on the theories moving forward. And man, I miss B. Hashtag ride or die. Hashtag family. We said Ryan Buckle up, because we have almost 400 episodes full of thoughts and theories. Boy, do we have a podcast for you. It got a reply from Reaction Rocket. 
It got three likes. It got Aaron and Randy again, but also Ryan. So, Joe, you get a point. Bang on the board. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. But Reaction Rocket replied saying, whenever I read tweets like this, it's like how I at, I know how Jimmy Stewart felt at the end of It's a Wonderful Life when Clarence gets his wings. <laughs> Every time a tire screeches, a fast fan joins the family. <laughs> and then Zachy found esarty at esarty i'm about 45 minutes into hashtag fast 10 and it's so ott over the top and hammy possibly the most video game like movie ever everyone's committing to their roles so completely you can't help but go with it it's like the movie equivalent of royal rumble every few minutes a familiar face runs in and joins the action we said that about sums it up we think so too boy do we have a podcast for you got two likes from Aaron and Isardi, so Zaki also gets a point. So you guys each get one point. I get nothing. Swing and a miss. uh, It's like the world. So incredible. (laughs) Yeah. So now I want to see here. I'm going to assume just because this game is impossibly difficult to play that neither of you scored points when we played it last time. Let me just take a look. Walt, you have zero, and Kim. You also have zero, but that could that could all change. That could all change. It's easy to move up the ranks quickly. It really is. They're really like it. It, it can you know they reply you get five points all of a sudden. It's just like whoa, I this is you so know strategic about this. Serious spending. Did either of you find a tweet? Can you put a tweet either in uh, Zoom chat or Twitter or wherever you want to send it to us? I will send it to you over uh, Twitter. Uh, I have uh, I'm, you know I'm gonna get cute with this. I have to, so. In May 20, uh, 2023, after the film Fast X came out, one of the mm-hmm. many fake Twitter accounts that is attempting to imitate discussing film, which is, you know, one of those massive mm-hmm. 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 Uh, disbussing film, uh, tweeted out the, you know, erroneous and not correct and made up story. Vin Diesel is planning to campaign for the Academy Award for Best Actor for his role as Dom Toretto in Fast X. Quote, I've welcomed so many people to my family over the years. Now it's time for the Oscar welcome me to his source deadline. This is not a real thing. It did not happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> However, I would like the, the the account to tweet at this bus and film and say, I also think it's bullshit this didn't happen. Because now we know who the Best Actor nominees are and regrettably the Academy and its infinite. Excellent neglected to honor the role and i think that that is where i'd like to take this what if hear me out a numlock news awards supplement thing was all about the vin diesel snub just the entire this one comes from walter (laughs) i am i am this close listener i'm i'm putting my fingers very close this close to booking a syndication deal i can't mess this no but uh i will yeah i will look into that i think that that's a good mailbag thing we have a mailbag at the end of the year you should send in the question i will absolutely dive down can you believe that mr vin diesel has not yeah i think that if he actually made the hannibal movie he would have a shot I'm not. I'm not even joking with that. I think that if he played Hamilcar in the Hannibal movie that he's been talking about for years, that could genuinely be, be the Oscar bait. Kim, did you find a tweet? Yeah, I got one. I'm sending it to you in a moment. Uh, so this is it's from at Purple Rob. He says today is Dominic Toretto's favorite day in Ontario. Happy Family Day, the third oh. Monday of february uh every year in canada is family day really where we celebrate families that's a really cute holiday i like that i didn't know about that so we got a cultural exchange this episode too there you go that's that's great (laughs) kim how would you like to respond to this tweet uh i would like to respond 
Happy Family Day, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Purple Rob. <laughs> XOXO, love you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. We're going to have a little Legolas and Gimli thing going on this entire arc where mm-hmm. we're, we're counting up our scores on this, and I'm going to beat you by the end of it. It's going to be great. Oh. I mean, yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> Gimli, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, if either of you get points, we all win. We all win. I couldn't agree more. Joe, please hit us with your tweet. I have a tweet from um, at Steel Magnolia underscore. Pretty good. Pretty good. It's pretty good. Uh, she starts by tagging Vin Diesel and says, My mom claims to be the biggest Fast and Furious fan, but didn't even watch the new movie today like she was supposed to told her I was going to snitch frowny face. Oh, so she's pulling a Brian. She's trying to appeal to Vin Diesel's good side by being a rat. Unbelievable. <laughs> you totally swayed my brain of what I was going to respond with. that, And I don't want to reply aggressively like that. I want to be like, well, Meg, your mom is still part of the family. Girl, do we have a podcast? Girls, do we have a podcast for you? <laughs> I found one. I don't know if I feel good about it or not, but I found one from... Sometimes those hit. So just like go with your gut and send it. Guys, I cannot tell you how we're like, this person, their profile picture is Carly Rae Jepsen, their bios of a Paddington 2, they tweeted about the Fast and the Furious and how much I love podcasts, and I'm just like, these are all my favorite things. Like They just ignore it. Like it's, it's, the, it's the ones that you don't expect to hit that actually hit, so I don't know. That's true. Joe, this is also, this is, you know, related to you. Um, I'm going to... It's, it's, um, there's a little bit of a visual component to this. So I'm going to share my screen. <laughs> okay. Let me see. This is let from Kid see. Phantasm at CB Bruno. Okay. Screw Ford v. Ferrari, The Fast and the Furious, and all those other car movies. I want a full movie about this beauty. <gasps> and it's a <gasps> former Zamboni? Hartford Whalers. No, no, it's Zamboni. not just any Zamboni. Let's go Whalers. It's a way, it's, it's, it's a Whalers. Hartford Zamboni. Whalers. Hartford Whalers Zamboni. If Brian Late Night Rodriguez would be so happy. It's his, like one of his favorite things is the Whalers and this them existing in their logo. And so I he tweeted this today. Like this is a tweet from today. Wow. You'd be like, as someone who's covered Ferrari <laughs> I'm, I'm on this say, episode, as someone who watches all the Fast and the Furious movies. Simply, why not both? Hashtag brass band. Brass Bonanza. What was their goal song? The Whalers had a very specific goal song, and if you, I think you could drop it in for bonus cred. Brass Bonanza, song by the yeah. Hartford Whalers. Yeah. Why not both? Hashtag. Why not a Brass Bonanza Danza Caduro mashup? I would actually <laughs> jam out to that a lot. <laughs> because it's got all the right brass instruments. Oh, man. I'm going to pay a guy on Fiverr to make that. Give me five. <laughs> <laughs> That was incredible. Good find, Joey. I really mm. like that. Mm. Whaler Zamboni, top tier, dude. Yeah. This could work. He's not kidding. He's literally doing this right now. Yeah. Oh wow. I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah, no, this I'm not I'm not gonna say anymore. Okay, great. Kim, did you send us a tweet somewhere or no? I think I did. Maybe not. Here we go. Coming. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us for this first of many episodes to go. I am so excited. Thank you for having us. We are so thrilled to be your guests. Uh, it is uh, a very, very uh, fun experience. And uh, thank you so much for your listeners just for uh, for checking this out and also supporting us. So, yeah. 
Is there anything you would like to plug? We, I, I, I name dropped by name, Numlock News, the award supplement, but anything you want to plug anywhere people, listeners of the show can find you anywhere, any work you've been doing lately you want people to find? I'm just going to show the book. Uh, you should buy You Are What You Watch. And yeah, it's fun. It's available wherever books are sold. We got It's getting a reprint. It's sold pretty well so far. So uh, yeah, so so buy it wherever wherever books are available. You Are What You Watch. Okay, okay. I have a big fangirl ask and I've been saving it. Of course. I need a signed copy of the book, please, Mr. Walt. Yeah. He did and buy he bought I it would already. Lo- he- I already have one, and mm-hmm. I would like to buy and have another one signed, and then we would like to give away a copy to one of our patrons. That's super doable. Yes. Uh, I, can, I can get a copy of the book and get it signed for your patrons. I can also uh, – I'll get a copy to you. Yeah, let's do that. Okay, okay, wonderful, wonderful. We'll pay for them, obviously. Yes, 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 yes. Yep. Awesome. And if any if any listeners want to buy a signed copy, um, the Astoria Bookshop, if you search, we live in Queens, New York, oh, the cool. Astoria Bookshop, they basically text me whenever they get a new shipment in and I go over and sign all of them. So you, any book that you order from them that is this book almost certainly is going to be signed. So Very, very cool. Awesome tip. Kim, what about you? Anything you want to plug? I got nothing at the moment because we got to we gotta keep on Walter's thing right here. I mean... God damn it! I'm serious. Like you don't you don't release a book every every year, right? So not yet, at least. Oh my <laughs> goodness! I, I do not currently have a book out, so no, no, we're no, we're st- we're sticking with this for 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 now. I'll have some stuff. Love it. Yeah. I will also plug Walt's book, which I read cover to cover. I loved it. We had um, these academic researchers on who like edited a book of essays for The Fast and the Furious. And I'm like, yeah, I read the whole book. They're like, you did? I was like, yeah. Like, I think you're the only person who isn't us to have read this book. (laughs) Yes, yeah. It was really funny. I'm like, okay. But, you know, academics is my favorite guys. for that exact reason. It takes just so much like love to make a thing that, you know, is like mm-hmm. not going to be read by a lot of people, but really, really loved by a few. So that's very cool. And, you know, fun fact, the, the four of us on this podcast right now uh, have a total of one Pulitzer Prize. Yes, I have 25% of a Pulitzer Prize right now on this podcast. That's how it works. <laughs> on average, well, we all have a quarter of a Pulitzer Prize. Like, also, like, I did, like, it's me and three other people, so you all be one-sixteenth, perhaps? One-sixth, that, that, that's fine. That's well, fine. Yeah, yeah. That's more than I had this morning. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, yeah, thanks for having us. I'm so excited for this year. This is just, uh, uh, you know, we love the podcast and, and, you know, we love you guys. And so uh, thank you for having us. This is uh, going to be a very exciting journey. I'm very excited for where they take this franchise next, uh, which is definitely going to be, you know, what Fast 4 should have been. Yeah, I'm glad you haven't seen the first couple movies in a while. Be it's fun. been so long. This is going to be, it's going to be very exciting. It's very, And now you have homework. You have to go watch the deleted scenes, the specifically the Absolutely, Vince yes. at the dinner at the the picnic table the 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 barbecue table and also the alternate ending which is Mm -hmm. there's there's a lot of deleted scenes for this movie but those are the two that like you gotta watch when you describe that as homework you could not be more wrong you have just a delightful evening i mean you're just a student who loves class just a student who loves class little teacher's pet (laughs) our next main feed episode our first pit stop this lap is predator from 1987 before then though our patrons will get the bonus episode about rpm from 1998 which we've recorded already so if you want to go check out a movie that weirdly sort of kind of inspired the fast and furious and gone in 60 seconds even though no one saw this movie check out rpm 
Um, also, give a special shout out to our patrons: <laughs> Cassie Wilson, Nick Burris, Alex Ellen, and Justin Kleiman, and Brian Rodriguez of High School Slumber Party. Wes Hampton, Jerry Robinson, Dan the Duke, Hayden Renato, Di Donato, Michael McGann, Lane Middleton, Lindsay Lewandowski, Nate Milton of the Kings of Sport, Jason Rainey, Tom Price, Mike Gallier, Josh Buckley of Whole Lot of Wolves, yep. Michael Bozer. Thank you for this whole, whole lap. Christian Larson, Tara New One, Aaron Willows, and Natalie Absolute, Randy Carter, Josh Goularm, and Jessica Collins, aka Montez. Montez. Thank you all. If you want to join them, go to TooFast2Forever.com and for all things too fast to forever go to cageclub.me facebook.com slash too fast to forever or at too fast to forever everywhere on the internet email us family at cageclub.me check out our patreon page like i mentioned at too fast to forever.com our store at too fast to forever dot nope cageclub.me slash shop we did not pay for that store domain because it was too expensive and come back next week for predator i'm joey lewandowski i'm joe too and that was Two men who each average a quarter of a Pulitzer, Kim Basine <laughs> and Walt Hickey, and we will tell you all about it when we see you again. <laughs>